Welcome back and welcome in the Outsider Sports Football Podcast, Tuesday, October 24th. Ben Mandel, Corey Jason, I'm Ryan Bally. We're here with you today. We got another great show for you this week. We're bringing back Hot Seat and Hot Streak, taking a look at some teams that are on that hot streak, that good roll as we enter the midpoint of the season, and some teams that have cooled off after a hot start themselves. Of course, as every week during the season, Outsiders of the Week, those lesser names, they're not household names, but they played a big part in helping their teams win this past week, as well as taking a look ahead to week eight and some of the matchups we're excited for. But to get started, I have a trivia question for you guys. Because of the 32 teams in the NFL, there is only one that has scored at least 20 points every game this season. Mm. Do we know who? Any guesses? Indy? It's Indy. Corey knows because this is his favorite segment of the week. It's Colt Report <laughs> Weekly. Dylan, be damned. This is still relevant. This is a relevant <laughs> segment every week. Minshew Mania has devel- enveloped Indianapolis. Minshew Mania is still here. He has some trouble fumbling the ball, but when you have Miles Garrett lining up, I mean, did you guys see him on that field goal block? That's not normal. Normal, that normal was... great athletes don't do that. That yeah. was unbelievable. He is special. He is. This, now, this. here, wait, I do have to ask because, it, in my opinion, it was almost as impressive, maybe even more impressive. They're a little bit different. Did you guys see Fred Warner? I saw a little bit. That that when he jumped to do the the tush push to stop the, the Vikings, yeah. where he jumped over the offensive line, grabbed Kirk Cousins, and pulled him down. <laughs> I mean, come on, that was unbelievable. Fred Warner might be the best linebacker in all of football. He is I somebody think he that's is. propelling himself the last two years into He's that. He's like a more athletic Luke Keekley. Yeah, I don't think it's a might I mean, be. I think he is. Luke Keekley though, was ahead of his time. Keekley was special. And speaking of special, this is a special Colt Report Weekly because we're not just talking about the Colts. We're talking about the league as a whole because, listen, the Colts lost this week when I – when they lose, I understand. I don't make excuses, but there was very questionable calls at the end of this game that wiped out a Colts defensive takeaway of P.J. Walker, gave them a chance. I mean, Amari Cooper probably should have been called offensive pass interference, but it was illegal contact on one of our defensive backs. Then a pass interference call that, if you guys saw it, this was a ball so far out of bounds that – the announced team said Megatron couldn't catch it. And I don't even know if they meant Calvin Johnson or the actual transformer Megatron. <laughs> and I looked at it guys. and thought Victor Wembenyama wasn't going to get a hand on that. And Michael Jordan in Space Jam wasn't going to get a hand on that. So I mean, uncatchable. Now, it's an official rule, right? Uncatchable is a ruling they could make. I Look. I'm I'm gonna say I texted this to Corey. It's what you get for wearing those ugly black helmets. But black that was is, a text in no, response to what? What did I say to you? Well, no, I mean, look, you I said Corey Colts said the hosed. Colts got hosed, and look, we we know the Colts did get hosed, and I just still cannot get past. Black is not a color in your uniform. The black it and blue now. don't match. No. They don't match. It's stupid. It shouldn't be. There's it doesn't right work. Here. Black and blue don't match. It's I'm not a fan. Black helmets shouldn't be. They should have had black pants with it. 
these black jerseys, helmets, I definitely grew on them since they first revealed them. Seeing them, well, in black the, helmets, no. Well, what do you think the the Colts should do for their color rush alternate type uniforms? Like, what would you determine to be the best? Like, what type of look? Are you asking me or Ryan? Yes, because it's Ryan's team. But Listen, I'm the one with I the mean, criticism. When, when the color rush <laughs> really first things. came out, all we did was get blue pants. Nothing else was different. Well, I mean, and if you think about it for the Giants' standpoint, their jerseys were their aways were white with gray, white and red with the gray pants. They went to throwback whites and just all whites for their color rush. So it's not like a hey, lot of teams do numbers this. Numbers with a red outline look sick. No, look, I love the Giants. You you know the my the most recent Giants jersey I bought was the Saquon color rush. So I get it. I like the Giants color rush, but it's not like a lot of teams do anything too crazy for it. I mean, in all honesty, I think a snow white look for the Colts with some like metallic blue would look so tough. What if I think it would too. I fear we're getting off, off track. (laughs) But no, this has to do with culture report weekly because it's the Colts for their helmets. They develop it into the shape of a Colts head, like the horse. Revolutionized football. Now we're really getting off track. We are so far off track. But just imagine how sick that would be. Like they're actually running out there. They're stallions. They're Colts. They are. Let's just have them all suit up in the blue mascot uniform. And maybe we'll edit this so it just like cuts, like you have like that ripple, and then it's like, all right, welcome into the Outsider Sports. This is exclusive (laughs) for the YouTube crew that they get to watch all of this. All right, but the original idea for this was the Colts were the only team that got shafted. I believe the Rams did as well because the Kenny Pickett spot that was generous, bad. That was a very generous. The Sean McVay face was priceless too. This overarching conversation about officiating, it's been one I wanted to have on this show like like the last week or two, because there was one I first thought of it, a roughing the passer call against, I forget who it was on the Giants against Josh Allen. And I'm like, this is so soft. Leo, Leonard Williams, I think it it was was. on Leo. And I'm just like, this is the worst officiating has been since the replacement refs and the fail Mary debacle. Oh, God. That was... Like, that was bad, but it seems like every week there is a game decided or there's just an unquestionably bad call. And Sunday night football, Eagles, Dolphins, how do the Eagles not get any penalties called against them while the Dolphins get 10? Yeah. And not to mention the fact you had that one blatant call that they missed on the pass interference. I know it didn't matter because the next player or so was the pick six, but, I mean, come on. It's one thing to miss a call like holding in the offensive line like that. Although the when thing you, is when like you those guy around the neck, yeah, and his arms are flailing outside. I mean, Ben, you are an offensive lineman. Is that pretty obvious when you have a guy hooked around the neck? Look, there there are a lot of things that you know they let slide, and I think the biggest thing is it may get to a point where you just need someone up top who, you know, is able to overrule the officials on the field. It's the only solution because at this point you're just going to keep getting it. And at least it's not as bad as baseball, where I feel like in baseball, the umpires are so stubborn and ignorant that they don't want to change. Like I do feel like the NFL officials, at least to their extent are trying to call the game to the book. I'm like, 
umpires in baseball who are like, no, my strike zone is my strike zone. Angel Hernandez. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he's, I mean, CB Buckner's right up there as well. But when you're, when you're talking about NFL officials, it is such a hard thing to do. The only way for it to be perfected is to just get someone up top who can overrule them. Yeah. We saw some of these other, like the spring leagues, AAF, rest in peace. We were big fans of the AAF back in the day. The XFL, I believe, do that. The Sky Judge. And I think that combined with, I'm not familiar with this, but to my knowledge, referees don't receive like discipline. They don't receive fines for this sort of thing. Like if a player or a coach is not performing at the highest level. Exactly. They are held accountable. They are replaced with people. I believe they do do private talks with journalists after the game. Because I remember, uh, I think it was the Giants-Bills game. They were asked about it, and they said, yeah, it was, a, it was a no call. It was good. We don't think there was enough contact. Like they said, after the game to the journalists, to the reporters. They do it in private. They should do it in public and be held accountable. They well, they be. should do it in public, and they should have to stare down the replay and then tell break me, it down. You, do you believe that, you know, are you sticking with your call now? And they should do it locked in those those wooden things while we throw tomatoes at them. Well, and, and no, because at the end of the day, you you know what the NBA does with their uh, final, what, six-minute report or whatever, where they – or two-minute report, whatever the hell it is, where they basically come out and say all – they review all the calls and non-calls in the final whatever minutes of the game. And if a call was made that shouldn't have been or vice versa, the league comes out and says – this was incorrect. The officials in the NBA are held accountable. Now, it hasn't necessarily made the officiating better for them, but again, I think it's the one that gets the least amount of complaining. But also, you had the NBA have a guy get caught for, you know, fixing games a little bit. They're the only league, I believe, that had that happen with an official. Officially. Well, you're going you're gonna to tell me that there Adam was not caught. With the Black Sox scandal, there was not a single umpire who bet on baseball. Come on. I said caught unofficially. That's unofficial. Exactly. But they, it's probably. That also would happen in 1919 or whatever, not 2008. Yeah, that's fair. Either yeah. way. But, Ben, I think you're right. A sky judge is a great step that the yeah. league should take. Accountability, consistency across the board. These different officiating yeah. crews should be shown and taught. All penalties should be uh, booth reviewed or yeah. all non-penalties can be booth reviewed. Either that, or I think we just need to get Luke Madrovsky on every single game because he seems to have the right call in the moment every single time. Shout out Luke. He is never wrong. He does <laughs> not miss. No, we, he was infuriating to watch football with, man. <laughs> I would, I would say something. You'd be like, no, that's not right. And then, Five minutes later, I'm proven wrong. See, I liked watching it with him because then you guys would get in that fights, and I would be further entertained by it. By not picking a side. <laughs> well, let's get into Never got him. <laughs> hot seat versus hot streak. All right, we're going to start the hot seat. And I have a team that started 5-0. and I have San Francisco, the 49ers. They were 5-0. and They lose in week six to the Cleveland Browns. Then they back it up with a loss to the Minnesota Vikings. And it was interesting to see the parallels. San Francisco and Philadelphia, both 5-0. and Both lose to plucky AFC teams with great defenses. The Eagles lost to the Jets. Both come back in Week 7, primetime games. You could argue that San Francisco had the better assignment going into Minnesota, a weaker Vikings team, no Justin Jefferson. Meanwhile, Philadelphia had to host Miami. Explosive offense. We know what Miami is all about so far this season. 
Philadelphia controlled their game with relative ease. It wasn't perfect by no stretch, but they escaped with a win. San Francisco, meanwhile, drops another one. And now the questions are starting to kind of surface with how much can Brock Purdy carry on his own shoulders? Obviously, we've had that discussion before. None of us are saying he's elite. He's not going to go take over a game, especially with the scheme Kyle Shanahan deploys and the weapons around him. But no Debo Samuel and McCaffrey missed part of the game, I believe, in Cleveland. Probably I mean, playing McCaffrey through an has injury. a slight oblique tear. Yeah, exactly. So he's not 100%. So now that the weapons are starting to kind of disappear, not entirely, but enough, now you could start to poke holes. And even this 49ers defense, I mean, the play that really broke the game open was an interception that was intercepted by Jordan Addison and taken to the house. So questions certainly mounting for San Francisco. And we saw them annihilate Dallas and then drop two very winnable games. So now you have to wonder how are they going to stack up against Philadelphia and against some of the class of the AFC? Because if Cleveland can do what they did and they had a great defense until this week, and Minnesota, I mean, how are they going to match up against who I picked them, I believe, to face in the Super Bowl, Kansas City? Baltimore's playing great football. And like I said, Philly and maybe even, you know, Detroit got embarrassed this week, but you can't yet discount them. So there's questions for San Francisco. So no one's specifically on the hot seat in my eyes, but I need to see how they do this week. They need a big statement win. And we're going to talk about that later. QB controversy in San Fran? Suck for I, Sam? I'm not ready to throw Sam Darnold out in the lineup yet. Mm. Are you? No, God, no. <laughs> no, but that's because... We well, look, at the out. end of the day, the Purdy's problem isn't what he is. It's the fact that, you know, if you fall behind and you need to come back late in the game, that's not who Brock Purdy is. And at the end of the day, that's not who Sam Darnold is. So it's not like you're you're getting a better result. Um, but, hey, I mean, Purdy had a chance at the end of the game. He even got bailed out after one of those interceptions, but then <laughs> threw another one. So, look, not, not great for Purdy. Not against uh, a good defense this week. Minnesota's defense is not good. Uh, Kirk Cousins looked spectacular against that San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, Kirk Cousins, your value has never been higher. So do, do, do what you will with, with that Kirk. Uh, You you could probably land in New York if you, if you so chose to waive that no trade clause, but I don't know. I, I think for me though, my hot seat, I'm going in a bit of a different direction, but, Still, I think, you know, it's a team that a lot of people were praising early on, especially after the first week. Um, it's the Packers and Jordan Love. Uh, Matt LaFleur was visibly frustrated after the Packers' most recent loss. And look, this is losses against two bad de- bad teams and bad defenses for them with the Raiders and then um, with, the, uh, with the Broncos. So... LaFleur is clearly frustrated. Jordan Love, this is year four. It is very easy to forget that this is year four for Jordan Love. So what has he been doing the last four years? I understand he hasn't been getting reps, but he should be more ready than this outside of a good game against Chicago. And 
a decent half against the Saints. Jordan Love has not looked good, and really, he's on the hot seat because the Packers, they may be moving on, and they may be regretting letting Aaron Rodgers go, um, you know, and moving on with Jordan Love because he certainly does not look like he is it. They must have picked up his fifth-year option, right? Wasn't he, Didn't they trade back into the first round for him? No, I, I believe he has a fifth year option, but this is still year four for Jordan Love. Right, right, so, but they they like, would have they would have had to. Have I believe they have him for another year. Yeah. So let's see. That means if they do have him for another year, that means they're going to at least run it back again next year and hope for the best, and see what happens. I don't think you can try him out for one year, dump him off, and do whatever. It's very rare that that happens, and really only to Josh Rosen who deserved it, but. I don't know. The, the Packers and Jordan Love, they probably should have kept Aaron Rodgers. That might have been the best thing for that franchise, not make, you know, one of the greatest of all time hate you. But, you know, who am I, who am I to say? It worked out with Brett Favre, right? For me, though, my hot seat is another team with a winning record, the 4-2 and two Browns. And the reason I put them on the hot seat is, well, they're winning games, but they're winning games in spite of the – 200 plus million dollar guaranteed quarterback and massage table enthusiast Deshaun Watson, who really might really shouldn't be in the NFL, in my opinion, but he's actively making them a worse team. He doesn't want to be out there. He doesn't want to play. He got hurt, was told he was fine. Then he said, nah, I'm good. PJ Walker goes out there, dominates, and brings the Browns on a come from behind victory over the uh I don't have the I don't I'm not gonna even say it. But the Browns are a better team with the XFL legend quarterback PJ Walker. They're on the hot seat because they traded so many assets and gave such a big contract to a guy that doesn't even want to compete, a guy that isn't able to compete, a bottom half of the league quarterback, might not even be a top 32 quarterback if you really think about it because he's actively hurting his team, hurting their chances to win. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think, because Deshaun Watson and the whole Browns front office, I think, have to be in the hot seat despite a good start, because that decision is really making you think and really hurts their chances to build something better for the future. Yeah, I would have preferred that Deshaun Watson not get hurt and stay in that entire game, because it, aside from the Jerome Ford breakaway score to get started, that was not inspiring football from Watson in that in that little bit of time or really what we've seen throughout the rest of the season with him in there. Yeah, no, look, Deshaun Watson has not been good as of late. Now, allegedly, the reason he sat out was he, they were examining him for a concussion. That's why he was pulled. But apparently Stefanski said that uh, he was the one who decided to keep Watson out with the shoulder because he wanted to make sure he was okay. Uh, Stefanski has come out in support of Watson still. He has said that, you know, he's still our guy. So I think that this does tie into what Corey is saying. I think that this staff and this management group understands that they're not going to get another chance after Deshaun Watson. If Watson fails, this experiment fails, these guys are all out of a job. So I, I am on that sentiment with you, Corey. Although I think that 
I'm not quite ready to give up on Deshaun Watson just yet because he has shown moments where he has looked good. He's looked decent in some of the games where he's played and he's been healthy. Now, this was disappointing because I'm sorry, Ryan, the Colts defense is not a good one. Uh, This is one that he very well should have had a good matchup for and should have been a nice settle in and settle down kind of game for him. And instead he punted it over to PJ Walker and that, you don't like to see, especially from a competitor. And I just remember watching Deshaun Watson, the competitor, lose to Alabama in the national championship, work, get back there, and then grind to beat Alabama in the national championship the next year. So that's what I'm hoping comes back, just because I really did enjoy watching that competitor play. One thing before we move over to Hot Strick, I just want to circle back to Jordan Love in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers in 2008, when he took over from Brett Favre, after sitting on the bench for a couple of years, six and 10 worked out. Yeah, but the numbers were not this bad. The numbers were not this bad. And not to mention the fact it was a lot harder for quarterbacks to play the game back then than it is now. There are a lot more rules for quarterbacks that benefit them now. So I I don't even like that comparison because if you, I, I don't have them pulled up in front of me, but I guarantee you Aaron Rodgers individual numbers. And as a passer look tremendously better than Jordan love who can't even complete a five yard out route right now. It's atrocious. Well, likewise, how you're not ready to give up on Watson. I I'll give love a full year as the starter and actually get those reps and we'll circle I'm, back I'm, next year before I decide if his career's over. I'm fine giving up on both of them. So <laughs> Corey just doesn't care. He wants to move on to the hot streak. Let's go. I'm going to go with Jacksonville. They've had two big wins over my Colts, big win over Buffalo. They blew out Atlanta over in London and then a big win against the saints on Thursday night football this past week. They're rolling. They're hitting the expectations. We all sort of place on them, even though they weren't quite ready yet to match up with Kansas city last year, they were the hottest team rolling into the playoffs. So we'll see if they can, you know, even with them sitting at five and two now, they could still get better, which is kind of the scary thing. So Jacksonville on a hot streak right now with even more room to improve. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're up to these uh, the second half of the season. Yeah, for me, I I look, I know everyone's tired of hearing about it, but Kansas City, they're on a hot streak. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, they're on a hot streak. Good for you, Travis Kelsey. But I'm sure everyone's heard about the numbers. Uh, 99 yards per game for Kelsey when Swift is in the building. 46 and a half yards when she's not. When your girl shows up, you ball out. So Micah Parsons said, it is true. Um, you know, they are rolling, they are on a hot streak, but I do want to give an honorable mention to Adam Thielen, right? This is someone who no one expected to have any kind of season this year. He was someone who's just going to provide veteran depth for the Carolina receiving courts. Instead, he's Bryce Young's only reliable target there. And, you know, hey, he's someone who is on a nice little hot streak right now. Adam Thielen, Keep trying to carry my fantasy team. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, the uh, the Panthers might win some games, though, if they decide to start using Jonathan Mingo like they should. 0-6, they're not a team that's on a hot streak, so I'm going to avoid them like the plague. I am going to go a team that started 1-4, and the Minnesota Vikings, right? We were talking about what was wrong with the Vikings. We were talking about that game against the Chargers as a must-win. Both those teams went against each other, and Really, whoever won that game, they just had to. They just were both teams that made the playoffs and just could not win a game. 
The Vikings now start again one and four. They're now three and four. They've won three of their last four. Are the Vikings back? Primetime Kirk means something different today than it did two years ago, right? Two days ago. Kirko is there. You see that top 10 chain he was wearing? He is a top 10 guy. Look at the Vikings' remaining schedule. It is very I got it pulled up. Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, the Bears, the Raiders, the Bengals, Detroit, Green Bay, Detroit. That's a lot of W's right there. I'm talking talking one seed in the NFC type of W's. Well, that's they. They may only lose two or three more games this year. I mean, they, the Vikings, they they very well could go on a run, and that's why. I mean, Kirk Cousins may not want to go anywhere because who knows? Maybe they do go out and, and make Jason a run Jackson, at this thing. He's not out for the year. It, it, exactly, he's and, he's back for this stretch. Look for him to come Jordan back Addison, right after that week thirteen bye. Exactly, and Addison's going to continue developing, and with him being the number one wide receiver, the Vikings are going to be dangerous, and all of a sudden they may have an offense that can go out there and score 40 points a game when you have a healthy Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison on the field. They just need to figure out that run game. Madison isn't it. Akers isn't it. So if they can figure that out, they could be a force. Yeah, they might look to add a running back piece before the trade deadline. Uh, that's next week. That's next Tuesday, the trade deadline. I think we'll mm-hmm. be recording our show next week after that already passed. So I'm sure we'll give our reactions to any big moves that may or may not happen in that time frame. But to outsiders or sellers, come on, let me hear it. They got to be buyers. Everyone thought it. we're going to win three games this year. We already hit that. Uh, last well, person to here's say the that thing. Stand last year. Who who do you have to sell them? Like, because if you're the Colts, right, you're not going to sell someone who's under control for like the next few years. Like, who are veterans that are anybody on expiring contracts that you guys would be looking to sell right now? I wouldn't be upset if sophomore wide receiver Alec Pierce were to find his way onto another team. <laughs> I'll just say do you, that. Do you think? Uh, do you think that the demand for him is high though? It could be. Kansas City guys, brings him in. He, he turns into like the next all pro wide receiver. He probably would. What's Honestly, just don't don't send him to LA. Don't send him to the Rams. They got enough <laughs> going on. Don't send him uh, to the Rams. Alec Pierce for Cooper Cup, straight up. Who says no? <laughs> <laughs> Cooper Cup doesn't play another down oh, ever wait, again. Cooper's cup? He would. We'll send you Cooper's Cup. Yeah, he drinks Cooper's water. Cup. His cup of water. Well, let's talk about outsiders of the week here. I have New England Patriots rookie wide receiver Demario Pop Douglas. And I think he earned that nickname because of the pop plays he makes. He made some good plays against Buffalo, helped New England win, got that. Uh, I mean, can't, just watch the highlights. Half of them, it seemed like it was Douglas with the ball in his hands. Pun returns, trick plays, screens, everything under the sun. Demario Douglas sounds like he's been in the league. 15 years already with that name. DeMar, it reminds me of someone. But no, he's a rookie. Found his way into the lineup with Juju Smith-Schuster out. And fantasy players, he might be the wide receiver to have up in New England. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not a bad one there. I'm going with the Jacksonville linebacker. And this is someone that, 
you know, we definitely went back and forth a little bit on if he is considered an outsider because he's led the league in tackles the last two years. We're talking about Foyset Alukun, Alukun, and this guy not only has been unbelievable for the last two years, but this last game, he was a difference maker against the Saints. 14 tackles, leading the league in tackles again, by the way, this year currently. Oh, and by the way, a 24-yard pick six in a game that was decided by a touchdown. Able to bring the win in for Jacksonville. Huge play, and, you know, in a, on a team where it's Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, you know, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, all of these big names come through. Those are the ones that get the recognition. Even some other bigger names on the defense that you hear uh, before Loa Kuhn's, uh name, and the, he still comes through. He makes plays, and he might be the best player on this defense. Yeah, he is a stellar player. Jacksonville has got themselves a stud. I'm going to go – it's going to be a two-fold type of uh, outsider because I feel like you can't talk about one without the other, and you need to talk about both. That's Deonta Foreman and Tyson Baggin of the Bears. Baggin came out there. Justin Fields hurt. Has to get surgery on his hand. He completed 21 of 29 passing attempts for a touchdown. 162 yards, QBR of 97.2, guy that was playing at Shepherd College in West Virginia, Division II football, coming in, going and beating the Raiders. What a day for him. And he couldn't have done it without Deonta Foreman. Top couple guys on the Bears, out. Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, they were out, not playing. Foreman comes in straight off the couch, Justin Pugh style, Gets 16 rush attempts, 89 yards. Sure, that's great. Two rushing touchdowns, right? But he's not done there. Even in the receiving game, 31 receiving yards on three uh, receptions and a touchdown. Three touchdown day for a guy that wasn't on the roster two weeks ago. Just an incredible day for those guys that are both, you know, outsiders because how much more outside can you get than Division Two and off the couch? Yeah, by the way, he beat the Raiders in his first start. Something that Jordan Love was not able to do. Boom. Fair enough. Certainly shaping up to be the year of the backup quarterback with Bagan, uh, Tyrod Taylor, and P.J. Walker all seemingly better than the starters they're filling in for at this time. So we'll see how those guys continue to play. <laughs> what? I think Corey, Corey, look, Corey's, Corey is very much a Daniel Jones fan. I'm a truther. I believe in the truth and nothing but the truth. Come on, Corey. You know you need Tyrod Taylor on that wall. You want him on that wall. 34-year-old journeyman, just what I need. Just what you need. Get Hold you over for a year or two. Let's take a look at week eight. When I was looking at the schedule, I, for some reason, couldn't believe no teams are on by this week here in week eight. This is almost sort of where you want to start having bye weeks here in the midpoint of the season, so... Meanwhile, I, di- I didn't have a single wide receiver for my fantasy team last week with all the bye weeks. They all well, had, had five on bye last week and four on bye next week. It really makes you think. I asked that question last week. I ask it again. These buys don't make sense. Why? Would you guys international be in favor games. of everyone having the same bye week like in the middle of the season? No, just a whole no, because then that's a sun. That's just a week of that's a void. Well, no, you can do. Well, you can put two the weeks. trade deadline in there. 
So there's some excitement. Then. Do do two bye weeks. Do one on week nine, one week ten. Half the teams are off those two weeks. You still have football for those days. It's just the spotlight's on each team. No, but how do you do that when teams are going to get two bye weeks like they will in a few years when they go to a 18-game schedule? Both my pay grade. I don't mind the, the random bye weeks. I just think be more consistent with how many teams are on by. Well, it should just be two or two between two and four teams. Pick a number. That's how many teams are on by each week. Yeah. All right. No one on by this week. Full slate of 16 games. I alluded to it earlier. San Francisco, they have another kind of Super Bowl matchup many were anticipating. They're hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, who have started to kind of figure themselves out. They're coming off their bye week, a little healthier. I'm excited. Cincinnati and San Francisco. I hope this lives up to the billing because it should be a good one. Can we flex that to Sunday night football so we don't have to watch the Bears Chargers? I mean, come on, man. Cincinnati can do the funniest thing ever, though, and beat the Niners. Three straight losses to a hobbled Cincinnati team still. I mean, meanwhile, Corey Corey's sitting here saying that the there's not a team that's in the Niners class. Well, things change week to week. Come on, you know this. <laughs> well, the matchup that I'm going to highlight, it's Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. And the reason why, and you guys will see it when the power rankings do come out, I'm pretty high on Pittsburgh. I, I like Pittsburgh. I think they are firing Matt Canada away from being a really good football team again. I think he's genuinely holding these guys back. Kenny Pickett is surprisingly a very good fourth quarter quarterback. And bad quarterbacks are not good in the fourth quarter. I think Kenny Pickett is able to overcome his bad offensive coordinator in the fourth quarter. And that is why he's able to come away with some wins. You give this guy a legit offensive mind. And I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are dangerous. Dangerous. You know what, Ben? I do want to make one more remark on that San Fran comment. San Fran is classless like the rest of the NFL. That is where we've determined that no team is good. But I'm going with the New York game of the week. It is Giants-Jets, the Snoopy Bowl, because MetLife Stadium, their mascot is Snoopy. They call it the Snoopy Bowl. Stupid. I agree. Get the Jets out of Snoopy, Stadium. But, you know, you got Terod Taylor, Daniel Jones. Nobody knows who's starting versus Zach, the MVP of the league, Wilson. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner are both still in concussion protocol, technically. I expect them to be activated and ready, but they had a bye and are still in protocol. That's a little concerning, even with Sauce saying that he feels great. Andrew Thomas coming back on the giant side of the ball. JMS, possibly too. Offensive line gelling possibly getting to be slightly below average instead of absolutely putrid. These are things we look for when we want to see a team win. Both teams need it. Jets are three. three. I'm going to tell you right now, we are going to see 10 sacks between both teams in this game. Yes, and the Jets offensive line is decimated with the Both both of these offensive lines are are going to be brutal. You saw the way the Giants' defensive line feasted against Washington, whose offensive line is also not good. But well, that's what happens when you don't double team Dexter Lawrence. Well, that's fair. He completely wrecked the game. You know, Bankster closed on Sunday. But uh, 
It's going to be a really interesting game. I think whoever gets to 10 points first wins because I don't think you're going to get much more than 10 or 13 points. Both defenses are playing at a high level these last few weeks, both against very good quarterbacks as well in half the cases. But well, uh, for Ryan's case, Sam Howell is, is good. So we, 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 we keep him up right, back man. Most sad quarterback in the league. Yeah, it's his fault too. He runs into half them, half of them. He is not good, man. He uh, a missed uh, Sam Howell or Jordan Love. Both. Yes. Although I would rather have Howell than Love, I think at this point. Well, guys, I do have one thing I have to bring up, and I'm sorry to Dylan because he's not on the Kelly Green jerseys. They Beautiful. got rid of them for a reason. They're ugly. It's an ugly shade of green, man. Oh, it is an boo. ugly shade of green. Get out of here. It is ben, an ugly shade of green. They got rid the of them for a reason. worst take I've no. ever heard on this show. No, That's they got rid take. of that for a reason. No, yeah, because Kelly Green is fun. not a pleasant shade because of Philly green. Because Philly hates fun. No, That's it's why. not a good shade of green. Kelly Green is ugly. Those I am not a fan immaculate. of it. No. Yes. Kelly Green is an ugly shade of green. That's what those jerseys were. I think the Eagles' regular home jerseys are nice. Stick with it. Kelly Green Stay is to disgusting. Face, it's coward. gross. Stay to Dylan's face, you coward. Oh, I have already. <laughs> <laughs> and it reminds me, before we wrap up here, Dylan did want us to mention outsider of the week in his eyes, Sean Desai, Eagles defensive coordinator for limiting that explosive Miami offense to just one offensive touchdown. But with that, all right, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Outsider Sports 3. Follow us. Uh, check out our website. Great content coming out there every week. Rankings for hockey, baseball, and football up. I'm assuming we'll probably get that started. NBA's tipping off as we talk. Ben wants to go watch his Devils. We're going to find out who's going to be in the World Series tonight. A lot of great things happening in the sports world right now. We're going to try and cover as much of it as we can. Make sure you join us next week, whether it's on Spotify or YouTube, and we'll give you our reactions to week eight and NFL trade deadline. Like we said, we'll see you next week, Outsiders, right here on the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Thanks for listening.